Welcome to The Goddess and the Medicine Woman with Melissa McHugh and Sydney Decker. In this episode, we talk with author, childhood trauma survivor, and empathic healer Susan Gold. From hanging out with Barbara Walters and Andy Warhol to helping other humans to transform with grace. Come on in and join the conversation. Hi, Sydney Decker. Hi, Melissa McHugh. I got you that time. I know. I love you. I love you weren't it. even trying that time. You did. You let me. And I appreciate effort. Because actually, that. when you first started, I kind of blanked. I'm like, wait, what? And I almost <laughs> forgot my name. So see, that's what happened when we when we try to switch things up a little bit. Last time I forgot your name. And I had to read it on the thing. So I don't know what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what's happening out there in the world. There's a lot of stuff going on. And I uh, just keep trying to uh, stay focused on the present moment and uh, instead of getting caught up in all of that weirdness anyway. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's no place like now. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Where'd you hear that? No place like now. Did you just make that up? Yeah. <laughs> there's no place like now. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Well, yeah. now is awesome because we have another guest and, so far, our guests have been amazing, and I, I do believe that this one's going to be exactly the same, completely amazing. And uh, today, we are going to talk to Susan Gold. And Su- Susan grew up in rural Pennsylvania, which, as many of you know, that's where we live. I live in very rural Pennsylvania, and Sydney's now in a um, city, but she grew up in rural Pennsylvania, so we can relate Um, so she grew up in rural Pennsylvania, desperate to get to New York city, which I know so many people I know when I was uh, growing up, get me out of (laughs) here. So (laughs) can relate to that too. She departed her chaotic family home the morning after high school graduation. I can relate made her way to New York city and started working at ICM, a large global talent agency, which that must've been cool. Susan became, became known for attaching celebrities to brands before it was chic. And that skill led her to LA. Where she met her greatest guru, the man that would become her ex-husband. I want to talk about that. (laughs) Navigating a ferociously challenging upbringing while bravely moving forward as an adult to face ingrained, outdated, and patriarchal programming head-on. Susan now shares a unique perspective in viewing life challenges as occasions for transformation. Through her book, Toxic Family, Transforming Childhood Trauma into Adult Freedom, Susan turns a standard paradigm on its head, courageously leading others through her own journey of abuse, addiction, and surviving narcissism, all while creating a distinctly empowering personal and professional life. With the same magic Susan created in her career, she is now leading retreats, webinars, workshops, and private sessions to help others drop outdated storylines and programming in exchange for living from the heart and authentic freedom as adults. So welcome to the show. Oh, Susan. Wow. I I love being with the Pennsylvania girls. Go. Yes. (laughs) I know. What part? Pennsylvania. It's interesting. I grew up in central Pennsylvania, a teeny tiny town called Sealands Grove. And it was very picturesque. The Susquehanna River runs through it. And my father um, is an astrophysicist and he's taught at the local university. 
Um, and it was a really idyllic setting for a childhood. That's so yes. Cool. Yeah, yeah. I'm up in Northeast. Yeah, we have the Susquehanna River running right through our town as well. Our town's called Great Bend, which is because of the Great Bend in the Susquehanna River. So that's interesting. Very cool. Yeah, and there's so many things to talk about um, here just from reading that uh, bio. And I want to start with your family, I think. And tell us about your childhood and what it was like for you growing up the way that you did. Well, my mother was equally as genius as my father. Um, and her turn for a proper education was to come after she helped him through uh, master's and then a PhD, but her opportunity didn't come. She had five kids in very short succession. Um, I think all brought on by Catholicism, honestly. <laughs> but um, And she soothed with food. Um, and back then, they prescribed diet pills for that issue. And it took me until my 20s to realize what diet pills were back then. Straight speed. Yeah. And my father had a little drinking issue. Um, he would, you know, I'd see the little bottle in his office door at work and he would pop the cork at 7.30 a.m. And you'd hear glug, 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 glug. So like whiskey, old spice, scope, that smell meant romance to me. And I really, I had heard the word alcoholic but it didn't really penetrate. Um, and I also, on my mom's <laughs> side, her personality would flip on a dime. She could be so loving and she'd give Martha Stewart a run for her money, for sure. She used to like to say she had champagne taste on a beer budget. I mean, she just really knew how to blow it out, but she could be so loving and kind and nurturing and then flip. And I was beaten. Um, beaten over and over and over again. My first memory is second, uh, no, two years old in the playpen. I can still feel that sort of spongy plastic, you know, padding beneath my heels and just in there way too long and sobbing and sobbing. And then when she finally did come, I was just beaten. Um, so it, there was a lot of toxicity. There was, it was not a safe haven. Um, and I was very intuitive, highly empathic, meaning I could detect the emotions of those around me. And that actually kept me very safe. Until I was about 10 or 11, too, I'd like to say I was telepathic. I could actually read thoughts um, of the individual, mostly adults. Um, and then it got too dangerous because it would just fly out of my mouth. You know, a response, <clears throat> excuse me, to what they were thinking. And it just, it got too problematic. So I shoved that down. I knew that it wasn't a safe environment, but it's all I knew. And and there was joy there as well as there was fear uh, there. And I just had this tenacity that I was going to get out. I used to watch Barbara Walters on my beanbag chair in the basement. And I'd see New York City and I'd be like, I'm going to go there and I'm going to be like Barbara Walters. And at 19, I did an internship from college that I had negotiated back then. Uh, they didn't want you stepping out of the system or internships were not 
encouraged. So I negotiated my way out to do when I was 19, living in Greenwich Village on my own. And I really got to see the city. And then I couldn't wait to get back. And ultimately, I did go to New York City immediately upon college graduation and um, worked at ICM, that large global talent agency, which was really flashy in those days. Um, but it, it didn't give me enough money to survive. So I started exercise training on the side and Barbara Walters became my exercise client. Oh, wow. That's insane. That's so cool. <laughs> that is cool. Kind of feels like a manifestation wow. in a way. Yeah. You, you are so, yeah, you are so correct. I've had great, great luck, I guess. I don't know. Um, with manifesting. I mean, since I'm a little kid and, and I just, this is what I want to do. And I always wanted to be a television producer, even though I didn't know what that was, you know, and ultimately that happened too. Um, yeah, it was, I, I wanted to work in, in media, in television. And I, I knew no one. And I just would ask a lot of questions. And um, I became known for matching celebrities with brands. It's a long story. I'll try to make it short. But one morning I rang Barbara's bell at 7 a.m. for our session. And she took one look at me and she's like, Susan, get in here. What is going on? And she was a good interviewer for reasons. She was highly intuitive. And I was really tight-lipped, but she got it out of me so quick. I had been sexually harassed in the workplace the day before. My boss had a sexual addiction. He used to invite young women in for their moment, their casting moment. I would have to leave during these times. Um, and he tried the same thing on me. And I was horrified. It kicked up so much trauma. Uh, I was newly sober. I was just out of an abusive relationship, and I'm humbled to say I was in that relationship because the gentleman held the purse strings, and I did not want to go back into that relationship for sure, um, and Barbara said, I'm coming to work with you this morning, and we're going to confront this man together. <laughs> I'm okay. I got this. So I did confront my boss that day, and he said, do you have everything you need? And I said, yeah, and he said, okay, you're fired. And Barbara offered me an assistantship with her then fiance who was running a film company, but I couldn't be an assistant. I couldn't be humbled and serve in that role anymore after what I'd experienced. And so I decided to open my own talent brokerage firm. I had two and a half months of cash in the bank. I was living alone. I was really scared. And um, somehow I got matched with Donnie Deutsch, who was running his dad's ad agency at the time. Now he's a TV host and an entrepreneur, a bit of a cultural icon. And he wanted Andy Warhol for his Pontiac client. He goes, do you think you can get him? I'm like, I don't know, I'll try. So um, I couldn't get anybody to pick up the phone at the factory. So I took the subway down and knocked on the door. <laughs> and Fred, Andy's manager, answered and he looked at me through his horn rim spectacles and I explained why I was there. And he said, Come back tomorrow at the same time and I'll let you talk to Andy. So I showed up and he let me in. I sat in the foyer. I was sweating bullets, but I knew intuitively that he wouldn't let me in to speak with Andy if there wasn't some kind of hope. And those double doors into Andy's studio flung open and it was super dark in there, you guys. I was scared. Like, I was like, what am I walking into, you know? <laughs> and 
there was a pin spotlight coming down on this platinum hair going 17 directions in the center of the room and three little pugs, you know, those sweet dogs with the smushed up faces, they were running around the studio and there was Andy like penciling madly. Another Pennsylvanian, right? Yeah. Um, I'm wearing that so, now. Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, I'm cool. in Pittsburgh now. Yeah, there's a bunch of stuff going on. It's so funny that you're talking about Andy Warhol because there's so much Andy Warhol stuff going on here right now. Yeah, so he was he was not interested in what I had to say. He didn't even make eye contact. It was all about the dogs. And I could see that. I could pick up on that really quickly. And I could sort of intuit his emotion and where he was. Um, so finally, <laughs> after about five minutes of my yammering, which felt like 55, he stopped penciling. He was holding his, you know, two pugs in his arms. One was still circling. And he said, now, really, why should I do this? And I just paused and I said, because your pugs can be in the shot with you. And I didn't know if that was true, but I had nothing to lose. <laughs> and he paused and he looked at me, looked at the dogs and he said, okay, I'll do it. <laughs> and that was the deal that really helped me create a name for myself. And I went on matching celebs to brands and Roger Ailes caught wind of me somehow and wanted celebrities on his network. And that happened just because I grabbed a cameraman, went to some red carpet event, started interviewing them about the event, and then asked them to look to camera and do a greeting, which you didn't do back then. <laughs> and it's really hard to do it now because um, they'll cut you off. But yeah, and that led me into producing for television. So there was another manifestation moment. That's yeah, that's really cool. Just listening to you and just just kind of watching the progression of manifestations and also just letting people know that as an empath, yeah, there's a lot of like pitfalls to being able to pick up on people's emotions and feelings, but it's also a superpower. I mean, you utilize that and like you're saying that um, Barbara was like that, like you can use that right to make your way in the world if you tune into it as a positive thing as well, you know, and just really be able to feel your way through life. Um, I just think that that's amazing. And I never really thought of it that way until you were just kind of explaining it that way and kind of a, a different kind of atmosphere, like out in the real world kind of thing. I didn't even understand what being empathic was. I just knew I could, could pick up energy and sense people's emotions very clearly. And then I, I sort of really came in touch with it about maybe a decade ago. And the piece that's been really important for me, and I'm glad you're, you're talking about it, is to clear any energy and emotions that are not mine, especially now with the frequencies raising like they are. Yeah. And, you know, my, my abilities, like your abilities are getting even more clear and succinct and my mission's getting more precise. So I'm really having to use that tool of releasing any energy and emotion that does not belong to me. Cause guys, wow. Some mornings it's like, I got an anvil on my chest before yeah. I get out of bed. Oh yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's so funny. I just, I <laughs> wrote a awesome. book called Cleanse Your Energy that is just came out. So it's like, it's hilarious how when we 
get on this podcast and we meet people, how validating every conversation is for where we're headed and what we're doing, because it's like we're finding each other for the first time. Because like before, I always felt like secluded. And it's like now with this podcast, anytime we like it's like empaths are coming on healers and they're like getting the same downloads and the same ideas and the same things and it's just like really really cool because yeah I'm all about cleansing the energy and paying attention and just really making sure that that is my that's like where I go first is my energy what energy am I in what environment am I in what is this person's energy that I'm communicating with and sometimes you can save yourself a lot of time like I've noticed because I'm similar in my empathetic ways of like I almost become telepathic, literally, where I can feel people. And, like, they'll even say to me, like, how did you know that? Or how did you know I was thinking that? Or I just thought that. Or those were my exact words. And so I actually started to save time. Because, like, if I tap into someone and I can tell that they're just, like, tired or they're this or they're that, I'm not even going to take the time to ask them what I wanted to ask them because I know that their energy won't receive it. You know what I mean? So it's, like, a huge superpower in that sense, when you start to pay attention to the empathetic and how, like you're saying, it's becoming so much more clearer, like the energy when you tap in and you can just, I don't know, it just saves a lot of time and it's helps you connect differently and like also feel more in control and empowered in your energy too. It's like crazy how like, it's like a real superpower. Sydney, how did that book cleanse your energy? How did that come about? Here I am going to the interviewer role, but I have to know because <laughs> I mean, you're so young and to have that book come through you. Um, yeah, it's such a gift for where you are. And I'm so grateful it's out. Oh, thank you. So literally I was sitting on my couch. I want to say back in April sometime and I was just sitting there and I'm a channeler. So I'll get channels and download sometimes and sometimes they're just random. And I was sitting there and I was just watching TV, you know, just chilling like I normally do. And all of a sudden I heard the voice. It's a sim- it's a normal voice I've heard before. And it was like, grab your computer. You're going to write a book. I'm like, I'm going to write a book. <laughs> I was like laughing to myself. Okay, sure. And I've always wanted to write a book, which is the funny thing. And there was like, no, seriously, go get your computer. You're going to write a book. I'm like, I'm going to write a book about what? And then I just heard cleanse your energy. Now is the time that people need to learn how to be in control of their energy. And I was like, okay. So I get this thing where like if I have a download, I I feel like Andy Warhol, right? Like mad scientist. And I just like, it took me about four hours, four and a half hours to like write it all out. And then I obviously had to go back through, but I just like kind of typed it away for a while. And then at the end, I sent the rough draft to my mom and my aunt. And I just said, I wrote a book (laughs) and I just said, read it and let me know if it makes any sense and if it's good. And they wrote back like, whoa, this is pretty cool. So then I ended up making it into an actual print copy book that people can get because it's just a very easy way. It just tells you like what your energy body is and seven ways that you can cleanse it. And then I put a questionnaire in there of like how you know where your energy is at and when you need to cleanse it. So it wasn't even my idea, guys. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. And what is really, you know, what are our, our real true ideas? A lot a lot of that really brilliant stuff, even with, you know, music and everything, you know, it came from someplace else, you know, you're just open to it, I think. Yeah. So it was just really cool. So when you said that the cleanse your energy thing, it must be in the yeah. ethers. Like it must yeah. be our time to like do that. 
because I didn't know. I was sitting on my couch. But you listened. You listened and you went through with it and you even published a print edition on your own. It's awesome. And so much of that is is coming about now, which I'm so grateful for. And I'm always intrigued by people's journeys through that. And it's just another signpost. Wow. Yeah. There's a lot of light coming in the world. Yeah. 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 Well, I wanted to ask you because you were saying that you went through this journey of like working with celebrities and stuff. So when did you decide to write your book? And when was that? Did that come to you? Is that something that has been in the works for you? Or like, how did you really feel like it's time that this is out there? Because it's huge. It's so important. The toxic family stuff. Thank you for saying it. It was, it was not my title. It's my publisher's title. My title was Magical Illumination, Transforming Childhood Trauma into Adult Freedom, because that's what I feel it's been. But my publisher came back and said, oh, no, the title's Toxic Family. (laughs) I'm like, great. I love my family. I don't want to throw them under the bus. I'm grateful for the roles they all played. And I believe that I manifested the middle position in that specific family for very important reasons. And I believe this is my mission to clear bloodlines, to clear family lineage and toxicity. But it's brutal um, to write a book like that. And, you know, my dad's still alive and my oldest brother is who I have the most abuse with is read the book. And, you know, ultimately I hope that it leads to healing and it has, uh, it's, it's breaking down constructs and it's truth telling. But in 2007, I had an Irish seer tell me I had a book to write and that it would help a lot of people. And I just shoved that under the carpet so quick. I was like, I am not going through a book, you know, process, writing process for a PR tool. (laughs) And then, um, Two intuitives told me back to back and the third intuitive said, you have three books to write. And I thought, oh, before this becomes a library, you know, I better do it. And it is me leaving a legacy. I I didn't think my story was that unique or interesting or my experience. And um, I have been through a lot. Um, I have faced a lot of trauma and I've transformed it with love. Um, And um, not just the alcoholism, not just being raised with with addiction and mental illness, but I also had clinical depression, 10 years of struggle with clinical depression until I learned about it and now can work with it. And I haven't needed medication in years. That was my own uh, experience. And then ultimately narcissistic abuse, which I feel was you know, just perfect storm, everything coming together. And this was what I really needed to walk through on this, on this earthly walk to come full circle and really embody my humanity and spread the message that I, that I need to spread. But I, I feel that's the purpose of this book to, to clear our bloodlines. And it's a taboo topic and it's time to out it. I mean, I'll just speak for my own family. We hold a lot of pretense and there's a lot of pain underneath that pretense. That's not necessary. It's like drop the bag of shame and pain and, um, you know, greet it with love because this was purposeful. 
I understand like my perpetrators, my predators, my challengers have all been with purpose if I've been willing to look at the underside of the boulder that way and with love. I think next time I'm going to pay more attention to the small print in the contract before I come on board. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm really grateful. That's awesome. Yeah. I can't wait to read that book. Um, we've had a lot of the similar things in our family. Um, and do you just, you just bring that out there just gives so many of us permission to start to turn over those boulders, you know, and to really see that there is an end result of, of light and, you know, to be able to use love and bring it into all this darkness and showing people how to do that and just talking about it in general is like a huge step for people because that's the that's the the pattern of shame you know how we don't talk about that we don't we don't we don't want to talk about that we don't you know we don't bring this stuff up ever you go to the grave with this stuff in family lineages you know and we have an old irish family with a lot of secrets <laughs> I believe. And just to be able to hear people talk about how they have come through that, it's just, an, it's inspirational. And yeah, so I'm definitely going to read that book. <laughs> I haven't read it yet, but it's definitely going on my list. And uh, whoo, yeah, it's bringing up a lot. Yeah, so it's been you. really, thank you. It's been really um, powerful. I I lived in New York and then I lived in LA Um, and now I live in Northwest rural Montana. I'm like four miles from the Canadian border. Um, and I live in heaven. This is actually a photo of my backyard. I can't shoot into my windows because there's too much backlight, but it is heaven on earth here. I, you know, I got reassigned and boy, did I get lucky because I certainly didn't want to be on the prairie. I wanted to be in the forest if you come to Montana, but I'm, I'm grateful to be where I am. It's beautiful. It's Sedona before, all the toxicity, all the commercialism, the energy is so pure, but um, I don't know what my point was. I was going to make a point about Montana, but I don't know what it was. (laughs) I I know that, I know that, oh, I know. So I met a woman and she texted me at eight in the morning. She had read the galley print. I needed an outside person to read the galley print before it got published. And she said, I just finished a chapter and one of the exercises in the workbook, I need to see you right away. And I'm like, yeah, come on by 10 o'clock. She rang the doorbell. She came in and she just, she said, I read the chapter. I did the exercise. I sat on a meditation kitchen and like so many pieces just fell right into place. And she started, you know, like tearing and I was tearing because I could feel it. And, um, that was worth everything I've walked through, honestly. Mm-hmm. And I wish Sydney, it had just been channeled. I was waiting for it. I was like, please, you know, send it through. But um, I was like a bulldog. I sat at my computer for 15 minutes a day, whether, whether I had something to write or not. <laughs> so old patriarchal, you know, energy, right? But it gave me the first pass at a manuscript. And I wish it took four hours. It took me a year. Um. And then a wise mentor said, you know, walk back through that manuscript and sort of rewrite 
from little Susie's point of view, that little Mm. bright light in your heart that walked through all of that with you. And not so much that it changed the black and white of the, the manuscript, but it changed how I felt about the storyline and my soul and who I am and the opportunities of evolution I've been presented and bravely stood up and walked through. So yeah, it's pretty awesome. I love that. How was it for you? Like, when did you, I guess, wake up to the dysfunction? Oh, I knew about the dysfunction when I was still in the household, but I couldn't put my fingers on it. And it was in my early 20s when I started demonstrating some of the same behaviors, you know, abusive relationships, you know, fierce arguments, my friends becoming more fair weather, um, just not being able to get forward in my goals. I took a slug out of the wine jug at work and put it back in. And that was just like my dad pulling the booze out of the dry sink. And so I knew I needed help. Then those were the initial red flags. I knew I needed help and I got it. Like I asked someone who they knew as a therapist. And back then that was like so tab, but you didn't go to a therapist and pay them money and tell them about your problems. Like seriously, but man, I went and I went into his office. I was, you know, again, terrified. And I said, my life's out of control and completely unmanageable. And he immediately started talking about, was there alcoholism in my family? Like, how much did I drink? And I'm like, uh, well, when I drink, I, I, I get happy. Like, it's not a problem. Did your dad drink? Yeah, he drank. Did your grandfather? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like all through the lineage. He goes, well, you may want to go to meetings to check out your dad's drinking problem. And you may want to go to meetings about the family system to learn how alcoholism affected you. And Luckily, I took the suggestion and I got clean, you know, and I've been clean ever since then. And that was absolutely mandatory for me to have that kind of level playing field to do the work that I needed to do and continue on this journey for sure. Yeah. And I would like to hear about um, how your ex-husband is your guru. Because I yeah, feel like, I, is it, I would, is it, I want to just hear about it because I feel like a lot of my relationships, they can be considered my, my mom calls them my, um, shaman lovers because they yeah. take me to the darkness and then I rise up out of it. And so I would love to hear your journey. Uh, I think we, my sister and I were seven playing with little kittles and there was a votive candle lit on the trunk. And I took her little kiddo. She's like, give it back. And I'm like, no, give me it back. No. And so she took my head and pushed it back. And my hair caught on fire from the votive candle. She's like, oh my God, your hair's on fire. Your hair's on. She starts patting me. I start rolling my head on the shag carpet. You know, like they teach you drop, stop, drop and roll in like elementary school. <laughs> that was an initiation that I was going to light people's hair on fire with the way that I chose to interpret lessons. So I was invited to LA. I thought it was a great career move and it was, but it was ultimately to meet that man who was going to become my ex-husband. And oh my gosh, Sydney, he was, 
everything I ever thought I wanted. He had all the bells and whistles. He knew how to love bomb. His hips just slouched. He was like out of the golden age of Hollywood movie. He had just sold a big screenplay. I was like, okay, yeah. I, we went out once and I just like, I thought, oh, danger, danger. But my friend's like, you should hear how he talks about his mom, you know? And I went out with him again and that was it. And um, we were living together and I just was feeling drained, but I couldn't really put my fingers on it. And I was super strong and independent. I had pulled the weight in most of my relationships up to that point and was pulling it again. You know, my dad had given me a message. Nobody's going to want you. Your tastes are too expensive. You're too much. And I just carried it hard. And we ended up getting married and we had a child and I bought our family home and the wheels started to creak and my body started to clunk and hiss. I, my life got smaller. I just felt drained. I was carrying the weight of the mortgage and the, the taxes and the insurance and the repairs and the sun and just carrying it, right? Yeah, you know it. And I knew something, <laughs> I knew something was wrong, but I was also terrified of abandonment. And there was no way I was not gonna let this marriage work. No way. I was gonna stand up and I was gonna fight. And I was an endurance athlete. I was used to intense training. I was a longtime meditator. I'd go on week-long silent meditation retreats, holding no contact. And I needed it. So his mask finally fell. And I tried to bring him to the table with integrity through what's called a post-nuptial agreement. Mm -hmm. And we got to the last bone of contention, the last issue and mediation. And I thought, oh my gosh, our marriage is going to be saved. Even though I knew it was way past the expiration date. And in session, he folded his arms and his eyes went into those cold reptilian-like slits. And he said, I'm hiring an attorney and I'm filing for divorce. And that voice of intuition came over my right shoulder and right through my body saying, this is the universe doing for you what you cannot do for yourself. And it was one calendar year of living in the same, I won't even call it a home, same domicile. And this is the metaphor for the relationship. And I was grateful that I could see this. He held court in the master bedroom and wouldn't vacate. So I, by choice, took a mattress, drug it across the house into a partial conversion in the garage in a home that I had bought and paid for and maintained. And I turned that space into a monastery and I went inward and I did the somatic work that I needed to do to break free from this, what I consider narcissistic energy. And it was excruciating because I loved this man and to see his mask fall and to see the snakes. And the way that I made it through was to hold no contact, including no eye contact in that mm -hmm. same home. And it was hell on earth. But every time I wanted to rail, I would hear this is the universe doing for you what you cannot do for yourself. And with the, in one calendar year, I could write him his six-figure check. 
and he went on to his next source of supply. And the reason he's my greatest guru is because he taught me my own value. He taught me my own power and my ability. I took that garage and I transformed it into an income suite. I took the rest of the house almost down to the studs and made it beautiful, a beautiful sanctuary for my son and I to live in. And I had for the first time real self-love. I was really in touch with little Susie and all she worked with, worked through and stood through and stood up to. And I became proud of myself and yeah, I haven't fell down. I had one date in seven years with this big flashy Academy Award winning director and Emmy winning producer. And I saw the flag, the red flag immediately. He didn't want to pick me up on the first date. He wanted me to drive to his house and then we drive together. I was like, oh, red flag. Yeah, no, <laughs> no. So my life is much different now and I'm really grateful. And I really appreciate my ex-husband for the less lesson that he taught me so brilliantly. And I'm grateful because I would not want to inhabit his earthly costume, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's so cool. And I just, I think it's so important for people to realize that you can take that kind of a thing. You can take all of this stuff and decide that it's going to be working for you. And then that you're going to make it into something beautiful that you can learn from all of this stuff that the outer world is a mirror for what we need to do internally. And a lot of people don't realize that this is happening to me. Why is this happening to me? And I get that because it's, it's hard to see that these things are for us and that they're so important and that we have to decide to do something with it and turn it into something beautiful but like you said, it, you know, you just heard that voice that the universe is doing for you what you cannot do for yourself or what you have not been able to do. And when we hear that voice, we really have to do something with that. We have to start to decide, okay, these tragedies and these horrible, horrible experiences can be alchemized into something amazing and wonderful. And that's what we're here on this earth to do. That's what I want for everybody to be able to, to realize all of that. So that's so awesome. Oh, Melissa, I love that word alchemized. Yeah. I love that word. I could just take a bath in that word word. And yeah. Yeah. And I agree with you. I think that that's why some of us are here to like spread that information. And it's so freeing. I am in freedom now. Yeah. And yeah. now when I see like certain things in my life like right now I'm moving through some stuff and it's so funny literally like I feel like we are well I am the only one here and I don't mean that in like an egoic way I just mean last night I was moving through a really intense heavy emotional day and I was on the phone with my mom and I was just um crying to her because I was like I kind of like you said when you wrote your book and you're I think you said your editor, your publisher said to go back through and to read it through like little Susie's eyes, you know, and I just was telling my mom, I was like, I, for the first time and being brought back before, I, cause I've been doing a lot of inner alchemy work. I, myself, like I, it's just like, I 
believe we're all kind of being called to do something like that. Like you said, to be a leader, to show and be an example of that. And before I'd go back and I would see all the darkness. And then I finally was looking back at myself this time, but coming from like, I, I feel her. You know what I mean? I feel little Sid. Like, I feel what she went through, and I just want to love her so, in, like, like strongly is not even the word. Like, I, I'm, i like, looking back on how magical she stayed. Like, I could cry. That's our tagline. But um, <laughs> how magical she stayed and how loving and caring and just to show up and wanting to be there for her brother and wanting to be there for her dad and wanting and like her mom was her best friend and like seeing all these things and being like I just like was crying but not out of sadness I was crying out of the fact of like I love her (laughs) like I love little her and I'm not even saying like a the little body version of me physically like I love I guess my essence maybe that essence and that's like the strongest that I can feel of because then I went through a lot of shit like you know you're working with your inner teen is a whole different thing but once you start to like see that because I did have to go through my 13 year old self um, I was working with her yesterday because it was just a lot and once I got through and breathed through some of that that's when I was brought to this like I just love my little me and everything that she went through and I think that that is so important for us like it made me realize the inner child work and the family stuff and everything that we're doing here it's not just like our physical it's actually helping us get to that essence I don't know I'm just I'm just there I'm just starting there because like it's a journey but for the first time and then you coming on here and saying that's what you've been doing and that's what your book is and like how it's just like helping you to get to yourself it's just like Thank you. (laughs) It's just like a really amazing validation. And I just love that there's women out there like you that are doing this work and didn't even know what it was while you were doing it. And then here we are and you're just talking about it. And it's really, really, really profound and amazing and needed. I'm so glad you're tapping into it now (laughs) while you are. I think the inner child stuff first got introduced when I was getting clean. That was like 25, when I was 25. And I, it, it just felt ick. It mm-hmm. felt like ick for a long time. You know, I was a bulldog. I was just like, do it, make it happen. You know, I was marathoning. I've done Escape from Alcatraz and Triathlon. Like I'm nasty and I had no time for soft inner child. And just the magic of really authentically surrendering to that essence as you're describing. And, and for me, I see that essence as a piece of my soul that mm-hmm. is actually here now with me. I feel like I have most of it back on the other side of wherever we are, but I feel like that is a, is a gentle, beautiful piece of my soul with me now. And that's why I so love you describing it as your essence. And it is truly the biggest gift I've received to to appreciate her and her essence and her being. Yeah, thank you for that, Sydney. Yeah, I know. It's just so cool. The stuff that you do, like there's way more. I mean, of course, yesterday I took the day to just like lay. I couldn't not do anything. Sometimes that happens to me where I just have to like lay around. And 
I was talking to my mom. I was like, it's not like a laziness. I don't feel like just being lazy. I just feel like I have to lay here and feel this. I have to just like be. And our society is always like, you could be doing this. You could be paying this bill. You could be going here. You could, be, And it's just like, I just need to not be connected to society. Like yesterday, it was almost overwhelming to think that I would have to go and interact and do things. And I just realized how much so many of much of that stuff is a distraction from being who we truly are. And do you have any, like, do you feel that or do you notice that or have you had to overcome some of that too? Because like you said, you were, you've been, you're a doer, you're a go, you created things, like you're doing these things. So I just wanted to see from your perspective, if you've been able to turn into more of the being. So I had, I had a therapist in the nineties in New York and I really treasured her. She was a longtime meditator and she was so wise. Oh my gosh, she was so wise. And I had a cabin up in the Catskills where I used to go like Friday night till Monday morning. I, I loved it. I loved just being in that kind of nature after being in the concrete during the week. And I, I remember telling her in one session, wow, Sandra, I was like sitting watching the fire in the wood stove. And I like lost time for a second. And I was just like tranquil, like all the to do, all the must, it just went away for, for 30 seconds. And it was really noticeable. And we talked about it for a while. It was really beautiful. And I hadn't, I, I didn't really, wasn't cognizant of that before then, but I'm saying right now and over the past six months, okay, here comes the Southern California hooey that's come with me in Montana, but I believe the frequencies are so lifting on this planet that there's so much light coming through to this planet from the central sun, that the solar flares, the solar activity, the coronal mass ejections are pummeling us that we're exhausted and we have no choice but to lay down on the couch or to drop the to-do list. We don't have a choice. And there's, it's, it's intentional. It's with purpose. It's for our consciousness to start to raise. And this horrendous, thick veil of muck that we've been covered in forever is starting to evaporate. And so I see it as mm -hmm. such a plus. And I'm like, hooray, I'm even dropping my cell phone light for a couple hours during the day. And just like, yeah, no, I don't need that on me. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I'm so glad you're saying that because yeah, I'm right there with you. And I've been sleeping a lot and I've been feeling like I need I, what I don't remember a couple of days ago. I slept for, I don't even know how many hours. It was a long time. <laughs> and I went to bed at eight o'clock and I just slept, you know, and I'm like, this is okay because this is how I feel. And this is what I need to go through. And yeah, I've been reading a lot about the whole solar thing going on and all the energy and listening to some channelers who are saying right now, this is what you need to do. And it's okay. It's okay. Yes. My cell phone, I'll be like, oh, where's my phone? But before it was like, my phone, my phone, I'm on my phone. It's constantly like right here. My boyfriend even said, your phone is like connected to you now. And now I'm just like, oh, I don't even know where I left it. It's somewhere else because I'm feeling that. I'm feeling like, nope, there's something else going on here that we need to participate in right now for the energy, you know? to get stronger and the consciousness to raise and, and, and I'm finding that I'm okay with it. 
you know, I'm just okay. I'm okay with sleeping and I'm okay with saying, nah, I'm not going to do that today. And I'm okay saying, yes, I am going to do this today. And just kind of listening and going and, you know, not paying attention to time. And clients will show up and I'll be like, oh yeah, that's right. I'm supposed to be here with you, you know? Okay, good. We, we all, we both showed up right here, right now. So let's do this. And not worrying so much about, you know, what's happening. Cause it's going to happen if, if it's supposed to happen. And if it's not, it's not. And it's just kind of the flow. We're in the flow right now. And we need to pay attention to that flow of what's going on for us. Yeah. Flow, the flow. <laughs> yeah, and it's so cool to have you being here and going through this and being able to say things like that. It's what before we go into this is my last question before we go into the deep dive five because I feel it coming. But what and I think maybe it's even a question on there. But do you have a practice that you do that helps you stay grounded? So it's one of the exercises in the workbook and it's short and sweet and I totally dig it because it's so fast, but so profound. So I take my hand, doesn't matter right or left, and I put it on the top of my ribs, like my solar plexus. So right below my breastbone, top of the ribs, I take a deep breath in. And then I say either quietly to myself or, or I'll say it out loud. I'm okay. And then I'll just repeat that. I'm okay. And man, I am off that hamster wheel and I am in my body in such a blessed, privileged place. And it's profound. And it's it's helped everybody that I've shared it with. And it's so easy. I mean, my son used to do it in school. He wouldn't put his hand on his solar plexus, obviously, but yeah. 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 That's it. That's what I'd say, Sydney. Yeah. That's a good one. Cause it is simple and easy and anyone can go to that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And I love the simple stuff because people are like, but it's so simple. It's like, yes, human being, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. If it's simple and easy and because all of it really truly is when we get down to it. But it's just our minds are like, but we need to make lists about it. And we need to sit here and call five people and discuss it. <laughs> it's like, no, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. And the bringing into the body thing. Yeah, everybody's saying that now too. And that seems to have been like a major download for a lot of people. Is that we've been up here. Spirituality has been up here for a long time. And to bring it down and integrate it into our physical form is so important. And we forgot that somewhere along the way, but that is just huge to be able to just put our hands there and just say, I'm okay. Bring ourselves back into this form on this planet, you know? Yeah. Cause Definitely. we have stuff to do. We have roles to play. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yes. Nice. Yeah. Well, like Sydney said, we are at that time that we um, are going to do what we call the deep dive five. Do I, do I, I need a buzzer to ring in? <laughs> I don't. No, I just have uh, five different questions I'm going to ask you. And just, you know, whatever comes to mind can be long, short answers. It's up to you. First one, how do you define spirituality? Telling the truth and be being humble. 
What has been the best wisdom that you've received and that you live by? The answer is yes, until it's no. And this one, we already did kind of go into it was what is your favorite self-care and healing activity or practice? Do you have anything else besides the one that you just? When I'm in a pinch, breathe in, faith, safety, security, whatever, blow out fear. And what's your heart's greatest wish? Peace for humanity. And what do you believe happens when we die? Oh my gosh, we laugh our A's off. (laughs) (laughs) Like taking off the nastiest shoe that was so tight and form fitting and just squeezing the bejesus out of you. It's complete freedom and happiness. And we will just laugh at this whole story we created here. (laughs) I think so too. Yeah, that's a good one. Awesome. I love that. Well, yeah, that was amazing. What an amazing conversation. Uh, um, thank you very much. And what uh, I would like to tell listeners is that you can go to susangold.us and the link will lead you to a free audio file of the first pages of, of her book, a mini session to say hello and connect personally, and you will be kept updated on events if you go there. So I'm going there. As soon as well, I already here. did. <laughs> I already did. Yeah, I was like, oh, I didn't yeah. go yet. I was, I was on it last nice. night. I already got my little um, download, so I'm super excited. Yay. And so you awesome. do basically what's on there is um, a conversation that you can do for 30 minutes, and then you do work with them one-on-one after that. Yeah, yeah. I feel like people are led to me. You, they'll be led and... I don't have anything to sell, really, honestly. You'll you'll know in your heart, but people need to be heard and they need their stories aired. And so that's why I really invite everybody to just come have a conversation with me for a half an hour. And then the the privates are there if, if it's needed, if if you feel led. But I don't I don't sell packages or stuff. I, I don't believe in it. I'm so sick of the digital cacophony, you know. <laughs> Sign up yes. for my my free webinar and you'll get the workshop that's usually $5,000 for $2.99. Come on. I, just, I get one more of those in my mailbox. Oh, yeah. No, I but I really, um, I really did like that because it was, it is different than when I saw the thing of like, just, it literally says on her website of like, come share your story. And I really, really nice. love that. So. Because I agree. I think that the being heard and being seen just by people talking and having that space held for them, they're like, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. And it's just like they do it all on their own if given the environment to do it. So I think that that's amazing that you're offering that space. Yeah. Yeah, it's my privilege and it's my greatest pleasure. Love it. Well, thank you so much for showing up here today for us and for our listeners. And um, yeah, anything else that you have to say, Sydney Decker? I don't think so. I'm just like really glad that this conversation happened. It's helped me a lot from yesterday. Everything that we're talked about today. And I feel like almost Susan, our paths, I mean, everyone that comes on here, I'm like, you're me, you're me. But like, literally, it's just really cool. You're like a mirror for me to see so many things. So I'm very appreciative of that.
This has been profound and it's been from the heart. And I really appreciate all the effort and the energy and the expense that you guys go through to put these podcast episodes out. This has been really an amazing experience and just so authentic. And that's what I really get from your conversations. So thank you for all you're doing. Thank you. Thank you so much for saying that. Yeah. All right, everybody. That's it for us. We will see you next time. The only, what did I say though? The only place is now. <laughs> the only place. Yeah. We'll have to remember it. The only place is now. There's no place like now. Oh, there you go. <laughs> There's no place like now. Thanks for joining us for this episode. If you would like to connect with Susan, share your story, and see a couple of pages of hers, go to susangold.us. The link is in the show notes. Thanks again, and we will see you next time.